Joshi, it's a beautiful day. We're back here recording for the podcast. I might slur some words. You might slur some words, but that's okay. We're the Water Boys podcast. It's me and Josh back for another episode, you know, after a long hiatus. Josh, you wanted to talk some things about the NBA? Discuss them with me. Yes, sir. Uh, I mean, I think we should start with uh, some of the latest things we've encountered lately. I'm talking about the Paul George contract. We talking uh, Kyrie Irving or Paul George first? No. <laughs> I think we should we should go into Paul George before we start grilling Kyrie for just being pure weird. All right, Paul George signed a max extension. How do you feel about that? Uh pretty bad. I mean, He's getting a max extension. What is it four years, 190 million? And at the age of 30? I don't know. It just seems kind of and just seems kind of I don't know. It just seems like the wrong move to do on a guy that's that old. I like I get the Clippers are scared of both him and maybe Kwai even opting out of their contracts. I mm-hmm. get that. And you might want to and you might want to keep one because of all the assets you ended up giving Oklahoma, right? Like, yeah. I totally get that. But also, I mean, don't give him that much term, I would say, just because, I mean, you've seen how injury-riddled he's been the last few years. I know he's finally healthy, finally uh, going to be able to go through training camp with Kwai and stuff. But... I mean, the way he's been trending and all the stuff he's been talking about, Doc Rivers saying that it was basically, I don't know, he was giving him the majority of the fault. I i just don't, I don't like the contract term. I mean, I get why they gave him that much money, but just giving him that much term, I think might end up screwing them uh, in the long term. I mean, it's sunken cost, as they say, right? You give him two hundred and twenty-six million over the next four years, on top of the, was it thirty-five million that he's guaranteed in the upcoming season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you, we've heard this story before, right? When he was traded to OKC from Indiana, said he wanted to stay at OKC, signed the max, I believe, was it or four-year? I don't yeah, remember. Was, I don't remember either. But yeah, he he basically ended up re-signing and then he wanted to leave a year later. So we've heard this story before from Paul George. So setting's already there. And now he's saying he wants to stay with the Clippers for life, which he's already said with Indiana, Oklahoma, and now he's saying with the Clippers. I know we're, you know, I know we're assassinating his character pretty badly out in the social media, here in the podcast. But actions do speak louder than words, right? I mean, he's going to be 30 soon. And by the end of the contract, assuming he takes that player option of $48 million, he's going to be 34? Yes. Oh, he's definitely taking that player option. <laughs> There's think, no, yeah. no way in hell he's not going to take it. He'd be dumb not to. Yeah, I think anyone would take that player option, to be honest. And Clippers, I see why they did it, but... I mean, you don't have any assets for the next few years. They're all tied up with OKC. And OKC did this, or 
OKC did the smart thing of Dennis Schroeder, right? They trade him to the Lakers. Make sure that the Lakers are stronger than the Clippers and see down the line how the Clippers will do with maybe Leonard leaving or Paul George regressing pretty badly. See how it goes. I think this year they're not going to win. That's my guess. And I think maybe Leonard leaves or they somehow miraculously trade for another star. But that's, I mean, all their money's tied up. Well, they don't have any assets to really get anybody else either, right? I mean, they, they're basic, you know, basically they've gone all in. They have no assets. Uh, there's a good possibility that if Kawhi doesn't re-sign this year, it's just going to be Paul George after. I know there's a huge, uh, the free agent market is going to be really good this next offseason, right? Uh, there's going to be lots of stars in it. But, I mean, what are the chances that you're going to be able to recruit someone else if things don't go well this year, right? I mean, at the end of the day, these guys want to end up winning. They want to get paid and they want to be able to win something. And if the Clippers are not able to win, um, it's going to be hard to sell them on coming to play for them. And on top of that, just like you said, I, I like that point you made that the Thunder ended up trading Schroeder to the Lakers, making them a better team, uh, possibly helping them out winning a championship and, you know, maybe even helping their uh, their placement on the, all those draft picks they acquired from the Clippers. But uh, I, I don't know. It's, I feel like it's a huge risk just because of the term they gave it. But uh, I guess we'll we'll see how we'll see what ends up happening. Uh, a lot falls on Kawhi too, right? I mean, it seems like uh, Kawhi's not talking about an extension with the team. I don't because he's still got to do the player opt-in, right? Yeah, because uh, he's got the player option next year. So I guess they're just going to be waiting t- for him to confirm that whenever he's able to uh, say yes or no to that player option. But with the 2021 offseason, our free agents' potential, I mean, a few of them are off the table already, right? LeBron, Paul George, uh, Stephen Adams. Who else we have in there? Gordon Haywood's off, right? So, yeah, they're sl- slowly starting to come off. You're, you're yeah. right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's it seems pretty... I don't know. It's like it. It seems more likely like it's gonna go badly for the Clippers in this next little while. I I feel. I I think it's gonna be a little bit poor. I mean, there's not a lot of really good free agents coming in. I hear L.A. might extend Schroeder. Right? They might keep him. Right. Like I said, I think it it all depends on if they're able to resign or able to keep Kawhi for a little bit in there. Uh, I mean, end goal was to win a championship and their window could end pretty quickly. Just as just as fast as they were able to assemble it, it could be gone just as quickly. I mean, that's life in the NBA, right? One day you might be a bottom feeder, next day you might be a championship or bus contender, then the yeah, next day you might be Lakers. a bottom feeder again. Yeah, look at the Lakers right now. Uh, you know, they didn't make the playoffs the year before and then year after end up uh, 
being able to win a championship with uh, LeBron and AD. I mean, you can look at the Rockets right now, too. They are basically on the cusp of maybe even losing Harden. And once Harden leaves, I don't know that that team could be a, a playoff contender uh, or if Harden leaves, you know. Um, yeah, there's it, the NBA with all the player movement, all the player empowerment. Uh, things can change pretty quickly for you. I think with the Lakers situation, though, you got to remember that LeBron is a franchise by himself. I mean, if you have LeBron and decent players, you are definitely almost guaranteed to go to the finals. <laughs> yeah, it's it seems like it. I mean, how many finals has a guy made? Uh, like that's Tenth, it, it, it's something a, like yeah, that. yeah, some crazy ass number like that. Um, but yeah, uh, you want to talk Kyrie now? I mean, it's gonna. There's a segue into the Eastern Conference uh, preview, right? But we got to start with the Brooklyn Nets. How do you think they look? I've been hearing that Kevin Durant's been uh, showing some old form in his practices with Brooklyn, and you have the whole debacle of Kyrie. What do you think of him getting fined and him not speaking to the media? You think it's going to increase the fines, or do you think he's going to come out once in a while and talk to them? Well, I mean, he's going to have to eventually talk to the media. I, I mean, unless he's happy play, paying for all those fines that, that he's got he's getting. Honestly, man, I like I don't understand what the what his whole deal is. I mean. All you do is talk to the media. You just answer their questions. I don't know what can be so frustrating about that. And I don't get why he's even, uh, you know, shunning them, right? Uh, I mean, it's part of your job. It's not that hard. I mean, you just got to go out there, answer their questions. I don't think I don't think uh, the Brooklyn media has been up on his ass and saying negative things. You know how players get when... Uh, certain media or, or, or talk things about them and then they just don't want to talk to that certain person or or newspaper or whatever but I, I don't I don't even think that was I don't even think that was a problem um, but that being said it, it just that this could be sort of how can I say uh, maybe something that shows off what might happen in the future with this team you know maybe him you know, him having that attitude is also what could happen with this team. Him and Kevin Durant are very, you know, they seem to always have a problem. And it, it could lead to bad things during the season, right? I mean, they've they've both been known to be pretty moody around uh, whatever team they're usually on. You saw that You saw that with Kevin during, you know, his time with the Golden State Warriors. Uh, you saw Kyrie, the same thing in Boston. So it, it just shows you that these guys, I, I mean, as good as these guys can be together, I mean, off-court problems could lead to this team not fulfilling their potential too. Yeah, I'm. you look at Kyrie and Durant, and they're the most talented duo, I would say, outside of LeBron and AD and George and Leonard, right? And I think they are emotional, but they are the two best players. Or sorry, two of the best players in the NBA. So it's really dealing with baggage with, you know, 
superstars and seeing how much you can tolerate. Problem is, Kyrie's going to go on this stance, right? And he's going to not talk to the media. Now, Brooklyn and them are going to get fined for sure. Then you have, does that distract the team from playing well? Do they have a cohesive unit? But we can't get this wrong about Kyrie. He has donated a lot of money to the WNBA and to social movements. So he's not a bad guy. He's a, he's a weird guy, I would say. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, that is that is fair to say. Uh, with that being said, do you do you think they're gonna they're gonna be better with both of them on the court? I mean, I remember last year how with Kyrie they they had an eight and twelve record, and then without them they had I mean it wasn't a better record. I think it was it was just eighteen and nineteen, so almost five hundred. Uh, do you think that'll be a distraction for this team, especially how he's not he's He's not an a. It's not that he's not able to be a playmaker. He just chooses not to. He just chooses to to find a shot. Uh, how do you think this is gonna work out with Kevin Durant? I don't think it's gonna work out that well. I mean, with Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, it works out well because Steph Curry has that gravitational pull, like a transcendent gravitational pull. Players will flock to Curry before flocking to Durant. I don't know if you watched it. I think they rather have Durant ISO than Curry shoot a three. I don't know if you've noticed that in the Cleveland finals against them. They will literally sacrifice the middle for Durant instead of having Curry shoot. And with the 2018 finals, you could see with Curry, or sorry, 20, was it 2018? Sorry, 2019 finals against the Raptors, I believe. I mean, they played a box and one against Curry. And. If Durant was in the series, yeah, they might have won. But I think with Durant and Kyrie, they're so ball dominant. I don't think it's going to work. I think with Kyrie, he's probably going to get a bit moody about touches. And Durant's probably going to get moody about his looks too, if you think about it. I think in this fit, probably Kyrie is a better version of Westbrook shooting-wise. And it's thus teams are going to load up on Durant's side again. A la 2016 final or not finals but playoff run and Durant's going to be frustrated again right uh, another question I have for you uh, who would who would you sacrifice DeAndre Jordan a little bit more now with uh, Jared Allen in there especially I mean towards the end of last season it seemed like DeAndre Jordan was playing uh, a little bit better than Jared Allen uh, how would you try how would you deal with that this season if you were Steven Ash I mean I probably play Jared Allen majority of the minutes but crunch time I would play DeAndre but it's pretty it's hard to really say to be honest because you don't want to sack some guy's confidence right in Jared Allen but you don't want to piss off the veteran so it's really you're between a rock and a hard place and both of them have matchups that they do well in, and both of them have matchups that they don't do well in. I think in the East, you could probably get away with Jared Allen a lot more, but in the West, you would probably have to play DeAndre a little bit more in terms of regular season. Right. So with all of this being said, how do you think the Nets are going to fare then? 
I think they have enough talent to be a top four seed. And I think they might displace Indiana or probably Philadelphia. But at the same time, I I don't think they're top two seed, if you get what I'm saying. I still think it's probably Bucks, then Celtics. Then it's going to go, it's going to be crapshoot for the rest. Okay, okay. I I, I see what you're saying. Uh, Well, I mean, since you mentioned Boston and how you love them so much, I want to talk a little bit about Boston then. Don't you dare say that in my presence again. (laughs) I think with Boston, yeah, I mean, they had the largest trade exception at $28 with the Gordon Hayward fiasco, I would say. They did get something out of it for sure. However, I don't know about their organization overall. I mean, you've had Kyrie leave. Yeah, that's on Kyrie, right? Then you had Al Horford leave, Terry Rozier. Then you had Isaiah Thomas traded. Then you just have Gordon Hayward leaving. It kind of sends a message to the players like, you guys are expendable. This is not... I get it's a business, but it's not. You're not giving that family atmosphere to them. Well, and, I, I think I think we've talked about this before, right? Like uh, that that Isaiah Thomas trade is what basically set the set the tone for them, right? Uh, I don't know if you remember how uh, Anthony Davis's dad uh, before he was trying to get out of uh, New Orleans, he was saying how he would never uh, go to Boston because of what they did to Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, yeah, and I I agree with you on that one. Or sorry, yeah, I heard about that one. And I think his dad is right in that assumption about the Celtics. Danny Aiden is a shrewd dealer. Problem is, he only does deals that has like significant advantages for him. So he wants to fleece everybody all the time. So with the Gordon Haywood debacle... He actually had Miles Turner on the table and a first-round pick, I believe. But he wanted more. He wanted, I think he wanted TJ Warren or Oladipo as well in the package. But if you already had Miles Turner, that would have been, I think that would have been a fair equal value at that point or maybe more for the Celtics. But he wanted more after that, which was, you think about it, does, is Danny Ainge too ambitious with his players? Like, does he want to keep trading up? What's the point of hoarding all these picks? Is he just packaging them for like better stars, or is he just throwing away stars? I mean, with Kemba as well, he wanted to trade him after one year. So, what's the point of signing Kemba? Is this sending that message to the players? I would say. Well, I feel like he's also he also sees that the team is pretty close, but then. I feel like he also knows that he just doesn't have enough to actually be able to compete for a championship, right? I mean, if you think about it, they, they I mean, they're starting five. I mean, even this year's are starting five should be really good, right? But then once you get onto that bench, it's it's really hard to it's hard to see how they could even be a, a championship contender if they really don't have a bench. I mean, you can only play your best players for, for so long. If you're going to be playing them for full games, especially during the playoffs, you know, it's just, it, it's going to be really tough on on, on them, right? And uh, at this at this point, 
he's trying to get as much as he can, but teams are starting to see the pattern where he's just fleecing them and, you know, he's going to end up taking the the, the short end of, of, of trades now. I mean, if you think about it, look at the Hayward trade. He ended up having to give up two second-round draft picks to Charlotte, right? I mean, he had to bite it in the butt. Why not, why not just take Miles Turner on that one? But he was too selfish, and look what happened. You have to give up picks, and you only get a trade exception, exception back. Excuse me. I mean, right. with Boston... I don't know if you remember. I'm going to draw parallels. Remember the 2013-2014 Indiana Pacers, and they had a great starting five with Hibbert, West, George, uh, Hill, and Stevenson. And remember when Bird screwed it up, he traded uh, Danny Granger to 76ers for Evan Turner. Then they signed Andrew Bynum, and then they signed, or they released one of the second-year guards. And you see how that messed up the chemistry for Indiana, and they were never the same after that. So we could, we could see that in Boston with you know similar situation, very talented five starting. But if you start tinkering with the chemistry and just start trading players purely based on logical reasons, and not considering team chemistry, you could lose that team within the next year or two. That that's right. That's right. And then uh, well. I mean, their big acquisition this year was Tristan Thompson. Uh, you know how they they really needed a center last year. I mean, uh, remember that uh, Miami, or not last year, but this this past season. Uh, you remember Bam was just having his way with the with the centers they had, and now with uh, Tristan Thompson, they're looking for a guy who can defend. You know, roll to the rim, uh, someone that might be. A, I would say he's still a better option than. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm forgetting his name. Um, Tice? Tice, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, I, I would think he's a better option than Tice. Um, but with with me saying that, Nick, if you were if you were Danny Ainge, would you have rather have used that money you spent on Tristan? Or would you have rather have gotten a couple other guys to help out the bench? I think this year they did a lot better job of solidifying the bench. Don't forget, they also have Jeff Teague, so you have a backup there. But I think the year before, if you didn't really want to sign Kemba, then what was the point of giving him that money? You could have just spread that wealth around somewhere else on your bench and relied on Tatum and Brown to take over. But I guess you got to go for the big money moves, right? Right, right. Uh, yeah, uh, Kemba, Kemba is going to be a problem. I mean, he's, he's a good player and we also got to keep in mind that the guy was injured during the playoffs, but he was also taking, getting taken advantage big time in, in, uh, on the defensive end, the guy could not defend and Miami was singling him out like crazy. Remember Jimmy Butler would always try and, and get that, ma- that matchup. And it, and man, Jimmy Butler really did take advantage of it. He just took it to him. Um, but we we can't we can't talk about it like that, especially if he was injured. So we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he's going to be able to stay healthy, and not only that, not only stay healthy, but if he's going to be able to not be that much of a minus on the defensive end once the playoffs start. That's true, and I think with. Kemba, 
he was injured in that playoffs, but he still made some winning plays. Game three against the Raptors when he did that dish off to Tice to almost right. win the game. I mean, Correct. they lost by a miracle three, but he, he put them in a position to sweep, which you can't disregard. With Miami, yeah, he did get picked on, but Miami had, they were steamrolling the playoffs, and credit I would say credit to Miami more than a slight on Kemba's record right there. I think overall they're still in prime position to be a top three seed in the East. I think some of the East got weaker besides the Bucks. Raptors definitely got weaker. I'd say the Heat got a little bit weaker. And the 76ers are probably the only other team that got better along with the Nets and the Hornets. But I don't know how we're going to rate those guys. All right. Uh, which team do you want to talk about next? I think we'll go with the 76ers. I mean, they hired Daryl Morey as president of basketball operations, right? <laughs> yeah, after he said he was going to take time off. <laughs> <laughs> More like he didn't want to deal with Harden. He probably didn't want to deal with Harden. I mean, he made some shrewd moves. To be honest, I think all those moves made sense in terms of how to put pieces around Simmons and Embiid. I think you got Seth Curry there. Then you trade Al Horford finally. You get Danny Green. And then you move out Josh Richardson. He was a good pit, or he was a good player, but I don't think he was fitting on that team. No, he needed the ball, right? I feel yeah. like he need he needed the ball more. And uh with I mean Embiid and and uh and Simmons like you can't you just you're not gonna get the ball with those two guys on there. Um but yeah, anyways, no. continue, sorry. Then you can have Tobias Harris move back to his natural position finally. Right. And Hopefully he, making it look better on that contract. Yeah, make it a little bit better, right? He's still pretty young, to be honest, but I'm, you're salvaging a bad situation. I think they're in prime position this year to make a push. I don't know if they're a second-round team, to be honest, but I think with who they have right now, they're in a lot better position than last year. They shedded a lot of a lot of the salary cap, right? He made he made the right moves big time. I mean, um, this is this is what you need to know. He only moved Horford with one first round pick. That is true. a very good GM, or not GM, but very good president. That's true, and I mean, also Oklahoma, they take that. I mean, they're the ones that take that first round pick, and then you never know. I mean, Horford. Horford style doesn't didn't really fit with the with the way the the Sixers were wanting him to, were wanting to play right. He needed he needed the pick and roll a little bit more. You know he likes the pick and pop. Uh, maybe he he's able to find that in Oklahoma. And next thing you know, Oklahoma is just going to flip him for more assets, knowing them. Uh, so that was an actually super interesting move. Uh, they also picked up on Dwight Howard. Um, yes, I forgot about that. They take yeah. up um, Terrence Ferguson as well from OKC, which I think is a great move. Right, right. They got uh, Dwight mentoring yeah. Embiid, which is also a great move. And you keep, you still keep Tybo, you still keep Shake Milton. I think they're still in a good position. It should still be a decent team, I would say. Uh, Danny Green, hopefully, he, he maybe. 
hopefully he has a better season than he did last year. It'd be nice to see that guy uh, start making some shots. Um, I I don't know. I don't know, Nick. I got mixed feelings over this team. I can't really tell if they're going to be a top four team or not. What do you think? Talent alone, I think they should be a top four team. I think you got Tobias Harris, Ben and Simmons, Joe Embiid, Seth Curry, Danny Green, Dwight Howard, Matisse Thiebel. I mean, that should be enough to at least push you to a fourth. Right. And I mean, not to mention last year, they they, they really needed shooting, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, Curry does that for you, right? Big time. He last year he was amazing, and when he was playing with uh, Dallas, and and you would hope that if Danny Green turns back to uh, you know Danny Green of old, he's going to be able to make some shots too. So you're able to spread out the floor a little bit more, and you're able to let Embiid and Ben just work their magic, right? Where they just need to attack the hoop, right? Uh, whereas last year, I mean, you just had guys that weren't really going to spread the floor. And it just created a cluster, and that was basically their 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 falling out last year. Yeah, I think this year they'll be top four. I would say, barring any changes from Toronto or Indiana, I think Phillies. I would say safe bet is fourth. I think they would be behind. I would say, I would go Bucks. Brooklyn, Indiana, Oof. maybe third or fourth. I might go 76ers at third. Then f- third, fourth for 76ers. I changed my mind on that one. And you're leaving Miami out of there? I think Miami got a little bit worse, to be honest. Okay. Care to expand on that? Should we just go switch back to Miami? Ooh. You want me to go on Miami? Okay. Yeah, go ahead and watch. I think with Miami, they made lateral moves on their pickups. I think with you bring back Drogic, you pick up Bradley, you pick up Harkless, and you pick up you pick up oh excuse me here oh you know you pick up oh no you keep Kelly Olynyk. I think with. Those moves, there are lateral moves. Then you extend Adebayo. And you're keeping Tyler, Tyler Hero from those trade talks with James Harden, right? Then you have Kendrick Nunn coming back. You still have Duncan Robinson, and you bring back Haslam. I don't see the wow factor in those moves. I think with Bradley, you get another defensive stud and a 3-and-D type of guy. But... No one that moves the needle, I would say. Well, I mean, after the season they had, I don't know that you... Well, I mean, I guess their ultimate goal is to try and sign Giannis next year, right? Um, So I get that they didn't want to make too many signings, right, that would uh, take away their salary cap. Uh, The one thing I kind of wish they did bring back was Jay Crowder. I feel like he he was really good for them last year in the, in the finals. Uh, he did he he was shooting well. I know there were times where he disappears, uh, but I think they should have brought him back one for at least one more season just to see how things go. But 
I mean, a healthy, you bring back, you know, you bring back a healthy um, Bam, hopefully for the playoffs, he doesn't get injured. I mean, you saw how much it affected him during the, during the finals. The guy was not the same. Uh, you bring back most of the same team, you know, they'll, they'll have, uh, another training camp altogether. I feel, I feel like they should still be a top four team, Nick. I, you know, especially with the way this, their culture is just go hard all the time, try to win all the time. I don't see why they would drop. I, I see that you're saying that they made a lot of lateral movements, but I just don't see why they shouldn't be a top four team. I think if you compare them, yeah, they beat the Bucks last year, right? But if you compare them now with the East, I think they're still in a similar and a little bit better position, but the East got better as well. Uh, I mean, I I don't know that the East, I, a lot of teams didn't really get better, especially with the economic situation, right? Teams aren't willing to spend a lot of money right now. And especially like a team like Milwaukee, Nick, where they ended up giving, I mean, their bench is pretty much gone. Uh, their starting five should be strong. It should have been stronger with that trade that fe- that fell through, unfortunately, and they weren't able to get Bogdanovich. They would have had a really, a really good uh, starting five. But I mean, they they came. They I they lost a lot of players. They're like I said, they have a good strong starting five. But once you get into their bench, they don't have that many players that can play. Uh, I I feel like the only team that really in the East that really got that much better, I would say would be Brooklyn just because of the fact that they're finally adding Kevin Durant on the floor. Um, I don't know that I would say that a lot of other East teams have improved that much uh, compared to the rosters from last year. So this is why I would think that a team like Miami, I don't see why they don't finish in the top four in the East this year. Yeah, I could see. Yeah, I see your point there. I think is this when I look at it. There's Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Indiana, and there's the 76ers, right? Those four, and I say Indiana because Oladipo finally gets an off season to be rested, and he's coming back healthy, right? And, and he finally have, gets to have a training camp with uh, what's his face with Brogdon, right? Yeah, and they have T.J. Warren over there too, so they have a a lot of good players over there then 76ers now go ahead go ahead sorry 76ers they get better they get more spacing they let Embiid and Ben Simmons do what they need to do and you run that experiment then the only team I see Miami really bumping out would be probably the Raptors but we've learned not to count them out however I do think they're still a, a little bit too a I would say marginally better than the Raptors. And I, I, I you can't really knock the other teams off. I know Miami did beat Pacers and the Bucks and the Celtics. But last season I think was such a weird season. We can't really put our money on it. See, the, the one team I would think that would have dropped out of the top four would be, be actually, it'd be between Toronto and Indiana. Uh, this year, Indiana's plan is to move to a more, uh, 
you know, a more current type of offense with uh, threes and layups. Uh, their coach was, I mean, as you know, they fired Nate McMillan after so many years of overachieving with, with the roster he had, right? Which that was super surprising. And uh, they brought in a new coach. Uh, dude, I can't really say his name, so I'm not even going to try and say it. Um, but uh, yeah, they're, they're planning to move to a more traditional uh, just shooting threes and uh, making layups rather than how they had it last year where it was, you know, a lot of two-point shooting, right? They they were, I think they were one of the teams that le- took least three-pointers in the league, if not the, the, the team with the shot the less or the least. Um, yeah, so I don't know if that switch is going gonna, is gonna to help them out. Uh, can... You know, you have also questions with uh, if Oladipo can stay healthy. Brogdon, can can he stay healthy too? I don't know if you want to put your money on them, that they're going to be lasting a full season where it's super condensed and you're going to be playing a lot of games uh, in in small in, in a small amount of time. Uh, but, I mean, you also have Oladipo, his contract is finally is, is up this year. So he's going to be, you know, he's going to be playing his ass off to get an, another big contract. Uh, I mean, you'll have Sabonis back. I think he ended up missing out on uh, on the bubble because of his plantar fasciitis, I think. And then plantar fasciitis. TJ, yeah, yeah, that. And then you have TJ Warren. Uh, I mean, you saw the breakout season he had, uh, or not breakout season, but like his that that time in the bubble where he was just scoring at will right um the, they it seems like they're switching up the plans uh for compared to how they used to play they're going to try and play a new style um that could go either way but i mean after so many years of playing the same style i think that's going to affect them a little bit at some point you bring up good points. I think with Nate Bjorkson, or oh, I can't even say his name. <laughs> That's why I didn't try to say yeah. his name. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, but your names is really badly sometimes. Anyways, yeah, I think you, you did hit the nail on the head there with a change in style and their personnel. Do you think they can really adapt? I think they have the personnel to adapt, to be honest. I think Miles Turner isn't that rigid in terms of his play style. You still do need him for his defensive awareness. And his stalwartness on defense, even though he had a not so great year last year, I think I could still count in Indiana for the top four, or at least in play for the top four. I think with the Raptors, I their interior situation just turns me off. Uh, you lose Marcus and Serge Ibaka, you lose him to the LAs. You re-sign uh, Fred Flam Fleet, which is great, but you're having an aging Kyle Lowry, and you have a Nobles contract extension coming up. So really, you got you got some moves to make in the future, and I think they'll keep a Nobly for sure. But I don't know if they have that team to compete again in the East. What do you think? I I feel like they're. They, they're another one of my candidates to fall out of the top four. Honestly, I mean, you had the perfect front court, Marcus Saul with uh, um, Serge Ibaka, right? I mean, Serge could spread the floor, right? Can shoot that three. Marcus Saul, 
that playmaking, that defense. Although, I mean, at his age, his defense isn't what it used to be, which is which is fine. It's still a formidable center, right? Um, I, but I mean, the additions they they made. I mean, Alex Len, you got DeAndre Pembry, uh, Aaron Baines. I mean, I like Aaron Baines. Don't get me wrong, but if you're gonna be counting on Len and Baines to uh, replace what Gasol and Serge did. I mean, that's a lot to ask, I would think. Uh, but, but yeah, like, I would feel like this team has taken a huge dip. And then you also have to think about uh, Siakam in the bubble, right? Was that, is that the new Siakam we're going to see? I mean, we saw it before the stoppage. He was actually uh, on good pace. But uh, once the bubble started, he just, he was a different player. I don't know if... Uh, Hopefully he comes back to what he what he was uh, before the stop. Um, yeah, I just don't see this team competing for for a championship anymore. Whereas they've been a contender the last couple of years, I think that's gone now. Yeah, I think they're gonna they're gonna transition into a meddling team, probably fifth, sixth, or seventh. I would say probably seventh would be too low. But I think their time for contention is pretty much over. We think about it, Leonard, if he stayed for one more year, he might have won with the Raptors. But I think he saw the writing on the wall with this team. And he just dipped for the Clippers. I don't know if it's a... Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Maybe he would have been better off staying in Toronto. But I, I don't know how he would feel about those players aging, right? Then you get the core players gone. I think this is might be Lowry's next few seasons might be his last with Toronto. Honestly, I I agree with you though. I think they're a candidate to fall out of the top four. I think they'll probably change positions with either the Heat or Seventy Sixers at most in that top four, and then really they'll be stuck maybe fifth seed, you know, just ahead of Orlando. And I don't know who else would be a playoff team next year. Well, I mean, I mean, the bottom of the East is super interesting, right? Uh, you, you got the Wizards, right? Uh, will Russell Westbrook make that much of a difference for them to uh, get, I don't know, I think they would get a uh, play-in spot, right? Like anywhere between, what is it, uh, seventh and ninth? Is it ninth? No. Eighth and ninth. Eight, eighth and ninth, okay. Uh, you know, then you also have Atlanta. Like, what do you have with that team? All offense, no defense, right? Uh, you could say the same thing about Washington. Uh, Chicago, you know, they have... They didn't really make any moves this year, or this offseason. Um, they have a new... Uh, was it GM? Uh by the looks of it, he didn't make any moves just because, you know, he wanted to see what he has in these young players. Uh, the big question is uh, what they have in the front court, right, with uh, Laurie Markinen and uh, what's the name of the other guy? Um, Wendell Carter Jr. Yeah, Wendell Carter Jr., right? Both had very disappointing seasons last year. Um, then you had, you know guys like um you 
sorry, you got you got to see what you have in Levine, right? I I mean, this, they have a lot of young talent on this team, but the thing is that none of them really produced last year. And uh, I mean, towards the end of the year, who was it? Kobe White that was that got on fire, but then the the season stopped. Uh, so, you know, they're they're feeling out what's going to happen, what they have in those young players, and then maybe next season, once they see what they want to keep, they're going to start making moves. And then let's not also forget that they ended up having Billy Donovan as their new head coach, which I, I mean. He's done wonders with young players. I mean, look what he did in in Oklahoma, right? Uh, he, he helped. Uh, I mean, he coached a, a few of them. You know, you got like Shea in there, and uh, you wonder if he can do the same thing with uh, this Chicago team. Chicago is a little interesting because I'll read you off the players they have. They have Otto Porter Jr., Zach Levine, Thaddeus Young, Cristiano Felicio. Thomas Sharansky, Laurie Markinen, Wendell Carter Jr., Patrick Williams, who they drafted this year, Kobe White, and that's your, I would say that's your main core, right? And from the looks of it, they judge, or they drafted Patrick Williams to replace Otto Porter Jr. He expires next year, or sorry, this upcoming year. So I think they want Porter off the books, or they might trade him from the looks of it. You have Kobe White, who's probably going to be your starting point guard for the foreseeable future. Then you have Wendell Carter Jr. and Markinen. So are you making those two fit at the power forward and center position? You also have to factor in there's Thaddeus Young, who's on a big contract, and there's Thomas Horansky, who's on a big contract. So I think they're more of a bottom-dwelling team than anything. Yeah, yeah, I... I i would i would have to agree with you uh i mean but they i feel like they're going to end up trading away one of uh either wendell carter jr or marketing soon i would feel marketing just because you know what is he on his fourth year already or something yeah going on his uh, fourth year yeah he's just going on his fourth year you know four years in he's not showing as much and it, it took uh you know he took a dip last year big time uh, at least with Wendell, what is this going to be? His second year, third. Yeah, second year, right? Uh, you might want to go with the younger guy who can, you know. I know he's not, he didn't shoot that well last year. I think he was thirty-four percent from three-point land, but I mean, he could still improve, and he's still younger. Um, with that being said, Nick, uh, I also wanted to ask you: uh, Do you think? Do you think that uh, Blake Griffin is going to have a bounce back here? I think he'll show that he still still has something left in the tank. He's only 32. This correct? Right. But he's had a lot of injuries, and I think him and the Pistons will look to move on. I think with the Pistons, I, I frankly don't know what they're doing out there. I mean, you trade... Andre Drummond to Cleveland, but you don't retain Christian Wood, which doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> then you sign Jeremy Grant for was it three years, sixty million? But I I personally think Jeremy Grant is more of a luxury player than actually a necessity, to be honest. I think he makes a team go, but I don't necessarily think he raises the ceiling of that team. 
but I guess he he was guaranteed star minutes and star money, right? So you can't say no to that. Then you have Derek Rose and DeLon Wright, and you have Mason Plum, Plumley. Excuse me. Then after that, I don't know who you really have besides Saku Dumiabuya. I don't know how to say that name. Sorry. <laughs> then you have pretty much Josh Jackson. He's a reclamation project. Isaiah Stewart. I I mean this. I don't know what they're really doing with this team, to be honest. Like, you, number one goal should have been keep Christian Wood, but they didn't do that. Now you have Blake Griffin, who's gonna have a player option. I don't know if he's gonna take it or retain it. He'll probably retain it if he has an injury this year, but I see him moving on pretty soon. If you're a competing team, would you trade for Blake Griffin? I mean, if you think about it, it's this year, right? Then he's got the what player option for next season. Uh, I mean, coming off Honestly, the bench, I I would not I would not hate it, right? Or even being what the third guy or second guy. The problem is, is just how much he's making, right? I don't know if, especially now in the economic, t- in the economy that uh, we're living in, I don't know if teams are going to be willing to pay that much. I don't know who would trade for him, to be honest. I think, yeah, I don't know who would want an aging power forward who can't defend and has an injury riddled history. I think I'd rather have Kevin Love than him at this point, right? Yeah, I guess, because at least Kevin can stay on the court, right? Yeah, and uh, I think it's just... I don't know what Detroit's doing. I think they'll be the worst team in the NBA, to be honest. I could see that happening, too. I I, I agree with you. Uh, all be, right. They'll be with the Knicks on that one. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of the Knicks, just uh, another team that uh, doesn't know what's going on. I mean, they don't know what's going on, but at least they have R.J. Barrett, right? But pff, I think they're going to squander his or, uh, potential at that point. You got Julius Randle still. You got Frank Nittakina, Dennis Smith Jr., Kevin Knox, Austin Rivers. I mean, these moves don't really make sense to me. Yeah, but you know what? At least they didn't squander all their money on... A guy that's not even worth it like they usually tend to right they they've kept their salary cap and it just makes you wonder are they saving that salary cap for the free agency market for the next offseason which is which is fine but to be honest i don't think you're going to be attracting anyone so i mean could you imagine they're going to panic next year and then just sign whatever else comes next to them and that is just going to be another waste of a contract I mean, that's such a Knicks move. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did it. I mean, with Julius Randle, they loaded up with that. Remember that? With the... How many power forwards did they have on the book? Like four? <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. remember. Then they load yeah, up on the point guard spot, which doesn't make sense at all to me. Then you have yeah. Andre Barrett. It's just... Uh, the only bright spot I see is probably Barrett. And, and um, even Mitchell and Robinson. Barrett. Yeah, and even Dan Barrett was not that great last year, right? He but he's not in a position was... to succeed. You got to remember that. 
That's true. I mean, they were playing him out of position last year for the most part, and it kind of threw the guy off too. Yeah, because he's not a small forward. He is a point guard at heart. Right. Remember the Team Canada performance he had against uh, Team USA where he led them to a gold medal? Yeah, that's true. All right, and you got to factor yeah. that in. I mean, Knicks are going to be Knicks this year. Not as bad as Atlanta. I think Atlanta has a sh- chance to shoot up the standings. But like you said, they're probably going to be like Washington. All offense, no defense. Yeah, I mean, remember last year when Atlanta had that one game where they ended up scoring 153 points and they still ended up losing? Was it Atlanta? Or no, that was, that was sorry, that was Washington. Uh, but from, uh, you know, I was looking into this team uh, earlier today and I was just looking at uh, a team that basically didn't have that great of an offense, didn't have that great of a defense, and their offense was terrible once... Um, once they only had um, Trey Young on the floor, or Trey Young off the floor, and once Trey Young left the floor, that team was just terrible. They could not hit a shot if their lives depended on it. But I mean, look at all the moves they did this year. Uh, which the big one was, uh, who was it? Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. You, you take your Donovich, you so? then it bigger be than Angelo, Gallinari, then it'd be Rondo. Great. So, I mean, Rondo Rondo is going to be a backup on that team. Uh, it'll be interesting if he can shore up that uh, that second unit once uh, they have the starters off the floor. Um, I mean, they got some good young players on there. Uh, it's just a matter of knowing whether they're going to be able to, to defend too, right? I don't think they'll defend at all. I think they're going to be terrible on defense, not offense. I was just... I don't know if they have enough to make the playoffs. But it's I do the think East, they have, though. Yeah, I the think East. they do have a. I think they do have a chance. <laughs> the, yeah, uh, there's a chance. In the East, they they have a chance. <laughs> I think that wraps up our podcast. I mean, yeah, yeah. Got, you got the top heavy teams, right? We got we got intent, contention for Brooklyn, Philadelphia, Miami, Milwaukee. Then you have Indiana in there as well. I mean, it's going to be fun. But do I see them winning the whole thing again? Probably not. I think it's going to be the West this year again. Let's be frank. Okay, well, we'll hold off our predictions for some other episode, but I I will agree with you for now. Uh, you never agree with me just for the sake of this. But <laughs> next next podcast, we'll go preview the West. We'll break down each team, and we'll see how they have they improved have they regressed we'll probably compare a little bit of ingram and tatum i know we've been getting into heated debates about that off the podcast you tell me tatum's worth the money and you tell me ingram's not worth the money but we'll save that for the next one i think that's it for me from nick at the Waterboys podcast i don't know if josh has anything to say i'll let him take the mic uh no nothing to say nick thanks for recording i'll talk to you later the most interesting man, Josh Santos. Have a good one, <laughs> folks. Up. Bye-bye now.